Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. You need another chance. Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and oh man, do we have a great show for you again. We do. His name is Will Shermer. The book is entitled The Core, The Leadership Core. I want to say the core of leadership, but it's the leadership core. Oh man. It's really, really good. Holy cow. This is your leadership toolbox. I'm just telling you, it really is. Will has done so much work researching and in in synthesizing philosophies of leadership and doing his own research. And I'm going to tell you something. Folks, this is a book that you need to put on your bookshelf. Right? This is this is this is that book. And you know, listen, I am in we're in eighty one countries around the world right now, right? And so wherever you're listening, you know, uh, first of all, thank you. This is a great book. You need to look it up. It is literally the leadership course, competencies for successfully leading others. Will Shermer, a great book. We're going to talk to him in just a minute. Uh, but let me tell you, first of all, I got to clean up a few things. First of all, I would just want to say thank you to Ralph Peterson and Sean Tyler Foley. The Power to Speak, author of Power to Speak Naked, for filling in for me last week because uh, we were moving. My wife and I were moving into a new home. We had sold our home, and so I was unable to uh, be uh, with all of you. But I listened and watched the show, and man, did they do a great job. So do me a favor. Reach out to Ralph. Reach out to Sean Tyler Foley and just say, wow, you guys were great. That'd be great. And by the way, you know what? If you're watching us now on Facebook or YouTube or LinkedIn or you're listening to us on CastBox FM, would you do us a favor? Would you share it uh, with everybody and just let them know that right now we're on live and um, share that with your friends, you know what, or your contacts or, you know, whoever you know, you know, even if it's an enemy, right? Love your enemies. Why not? Let's try that. You know, we can do that as well. But share this with them. We really appreciate that because um, I appreciate you. I know you have a lot of choices and you're listening to this show and I'm grateful for that. So let's do what we do every week, right? Since I left you, right? I mean, you've had two weeks, right? We check in with you in the four areas of your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And we we ask you to evaluate yourself on a scale of one to 10. One being, well, my training or my work in my particular area is miserable. What 10 is, man, it can't get any better. So let's talk about the physical, for instance. So on a scale Scale of one to ten, how would you say you're doing when it comes to your exercise or your uh, eating right or drinking enough water, getting enough sleep? If you were to evaluate yourself out there, five being average, how would you say you're doing? Right, right. Now listen, the, the number, the actual number, is not important here, right? Because that's just a starting place where we know that we can improve, right? I mean, Will's going to talk about a lot. He talks about a lot in this book, the leadership core. He talks a lot about, about accountability, right? You know, accountability is not about chastising you for where you're at. Accountability is to help you grow. It's to help mentor you to another place, right? And that's, and so if your number physically is a three, well, that's fine. Well, let's just get to a 3.5. Let's just move in a positive direction. That's what we want to do, okay? 
So you got your first number. Your second number, right? It's the mental number. What do I mean mentally? Well, you know, we have two halves of the brain, right brain, left brain, right? What are you doing to exercise the creativity and the logical side of your brain, right? You can't do that sitting down and just being a mental loafer and let things come at you. You have to be an active participant in your mental growth. That means growing in your knowledge and your understanding, maybe it is of your work or your relationships, or, you know, something that you're doing to improve yourself, you know, it could be taking up a new language or a, an, an instrument. It could be a number of things to help you grow and exercise your mind. So on a scale of one to 10, how would you say that you're doing? Right? Okay. Two numbers. All right. The third number is the emotional number. And we evaluate, we want to evaluate ourselves on two levels of our emotional piece of our four-part person, Right? There's two things, right? A lot of times you'll hear, and matter of fact, even Will says it in here, we talk about emotional um, quotients or most emotional IQs. The truth of the matter is there's two things about our emotions. One is how well are we able to control our emotions under press, pressure and stress, right? That's first. And then, the, and, and then the second piece is how well are you able to tap into and understand the emotions of others, right? And if you were put those two pieces together, what kind of number would you give yourself on a scale of one to 10? Keep in mind that, you know, what happens is when it comes to these two areas, that you can control your emotions, right? Circumstances do not have to dictate your emotions. That's emotional control. That's discipline, right? So you don't have to, you know, to think that, well, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, you know what? I probably, I don't know what you're going through, but I got to tell you, I've been through a lot too in this life. Right? But I have a choice in how I'm going to feel. It's not always easy, but I do have that choice. By the same token, tapping into the emotions of others requires me to be disciplined enough to listen. It requires me to ask questions rather than to give answers. To understand rather than to be understood. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you evaluate yourself emotionally? And then finally... It's the spiritual piece. And a lot of times people will go, well, you know, spiritual, you know, I don't know that I'm really spiritual. Well, we're all spiritual. If you remove the physical, mental, emotional, what you have left is probably pretty much spiritual, right? Because we all have faith in something. We all believe in something. When things go bad, we run to something that we believe in that will bring us back to what we hope is center or peace, right? Sometimes it's God. Sometimes it's nature. Sometimes it's meditation. Sometimes it could be something else. Whatever that is, is it working? And if it's not, what do you need to do to change it? And if it is working, what can you do to make it better in your spiritual realm? Do you need to spend more time there? Do you need to be a little bit more consistent there in that area? Do you need to sit and listen in that area? What number would you give yourself on that scale of 1 to 10? So those four areas, those four numbers are like the legs of a chair. Right, if the chair is uneven, right, it's hard to sit in. It's bad on our posture. By the same token, if the chair is too low, we can't sit at a table and eat healthily and nourish ourselves. Speaking of somebody who does have all four of his legs at the right level and at the right height, his name is Will Shermer. Um, William Shermer is a senior management professional in human resources, having uh, been involved with HR talent management and learning and development functions for domestic and international firms for more than 20 years. His expertise includes the creation and deployment of leadership development programs for a number of organizations. William holds USA, UK, and Global Human Resource Certificate 
certifications. His undergraduate study in political and behavioral sciences was completed at uh, Minnesota State University in Mankato. And I know that actually where that is. Uh, William completed his graduate degrees in human resources at management at Fort Hayes State University. I know that place too because I lived in Nebraska and played against them in football. And he's social sciences via the University of Leicester in the United Kingdom. Uh, that one I don't know. So, well, William grew up in Minnesota and is a lover of the outdoors, traveling, motorcycling, and exercise. He's a proud father of three grown children, Daniel, Richard, and Alyssa. You can learn more by going to Will Shermer, that's S-C-H-I-R-M-E-R, official.com. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, and welcome to New Direction, Will Shermer. Welcome, Will. Thank you very much. That's uh, that's quite an entrance. So uh, There's nothing like pressure to, to, to try and live up to that <laughs> over the next uh 45 or so minutes. So, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Thank you. You know what? There's no pressure. I'm just going to tell you right now, you and I are going to have a great time and there's zero pressure. Um, so let's talk about the book, the book of leadership course, competencies for successfully leading others. Uh, and the first thing right out of the way, you've, you've divided this book into sections and which I found quite interesting because <laughs> you have within these sections, um, you have a title, and then you give us these little uh, tools, if you will, or things to think about, or philosophies, I'm not sure that how to describe it, but that, that we can use, that we need to check in with ourselves. And one the, the sec, section one, entitled Character is the Cornerstone of Leadership, the very first thing you say is on page two that really jumped out, and I think it's really important that we start here simply because of what you said. It's the it's sec, it's section one, character is the cornerstone of leadership, and it's the subheading is integrity. And you said integrity is the absolute bedrock foundation. If you can't commit, completely commit to the concept of integrity, put this book down now. It must be that important. <laughs> yes, nothing like telling your readers uh, who, who purchased the book to put the book down, right, after two pages. So, um, so yeah, I mean, in, in all seriousness, I think one of the things that you learn, um, you know, and, and we probably all worked with leaders that, you know, we absolutely loved, that, that demonstrated all the qualities and characteristics that, that we, we espouse, and some that are, you know, they demonstrate reprehensible behavior. And I think th that that the lying, cheating, and stealing aspect, or gossiping behind one employee's back to another, or not being true to your values, actually being authentic in backing up what you say with what you do. These things are cardinal sins of leadership. And if these things are done, nothing else a leader does really is going to matter because people won't trust you, you don't build credibility, and you don't build respect. So your influence and your ability to either A, get people to follow you, or B, as we spoke of earlier, shepherd people along to the right direction won't happen because quite simply, you're, you're not believable and no one's going to want to be around you. So I think this, this foundation of integrity amongst all of the, the leadership characteristics that we talk about, and there's a handful of good ones. We start there because quite simply, if it doesn't if it doesn't follow, then nothing else is really going to matter in terms of your leadership career. I, I could I couldn't agree more. I mean that, that I I love the fact that you started with integrity, right? But then you you follow it up with humility. And I get and I tell you I get I love the way you wrote this. 
So I'm, I got to share it because I love the way you wrote about humility. We straddle the edge of the blade, that fine balance between self-confidence and arrogance, self-belief and narcissism. Wow. How do, first of all, beautifully written. But humility, you and I talked about this before the show. And I mean, I, I, we both have had to learn, I think, the hard way about pride and ego. But humility is such an important characteristic to great leadership, isn't it? Especially leading others. Huge. A- absolutely huge. And I think that that leadership has never been in more peril with respect to this issue of humility than it is today, because there are countless ways in which we can self-promote. Many, many ways in which the world can tell us how wonderful we are. And if they don't, we can quite simply manufacture our own press through social media and elsewhere. And the it, it, it feels good to uh, to be wanted and to be told that you are excellent at, at one thing or another. Um, but the problem with that is, of course, it it begins to transform or or sort of metamorph metamorphosize into something that really isn't constructive for leadership, because you begin to value your own opinion more than others. You begin to have more respect for yourself than others. And when that happens, unfortunately, leaders stop listening to the people around them and they stop respecting the people around them. And so ultimately, of course, it leads to their own fall, right? Pride pride cometh before the fall. And this is very much a a case of that. So our ability to remain humble and remember um, that uh, there's a wonderful Chinese proverb that says, be like the bamboo. The higher you grow, the deeper you must bow. Mm. And that's what we have to do in leadership, especially those that are at senior level. They can't forget that being in the corner office is not nearly the most important position. The most important position are the people that deal directly with your customers. They are the reason that we exist. They serve the people that that bring us our paycheck. And so we really have to remember this. you know, we've seen, we've probably all seen reprehensible behavior where leaders have quite simply been jerks. They've treated people very badly and and devalued people. And when that happens, of course, people run screaming from the building uh, to another employer. And why wouldn't they? Mm. So humility absolutely has to be one of the first things we learn because if we don't humble ourselves, the rest of the world will do it for us eventually. That's oh, so true. So true. Uh, by the way, his name is Will Shermer, the book, uh, the leadership core, uh, competencies for successfully leading others, um, here on a new direction. Um, Hey, share this, you know, because this is really good. We're, we're talking, uh, we, there's, there's a number of these characteristics, accountability. Um, I was going to dig a little bit into responsibility because I thought your concept of responsibility was really important. You said, for me, the concept of responsibility contains the factors of self-discipline, conscientiousness, reliability, and sound judgment. Do you want to dig into that a little bit? Because I think when we think of responsibility, we don't necessarily attach those four characteristics to responsibility, self-discipline, conscientiousness, reliability, and sound judgment. Because, you know, I think we go, oh, sure, I need to be responsible, but I don't think we understand it, especially from your perspective. Yeah, I think sometimes responsibility is is confused with accountability. Mm. And I do believe that they're two separate things. Mm we probably all have had the the friend that has been maligned for being the responsible, reliable one, right? The voice of reason. <laughs> and it's a, it's a quality we really need to cherish in people much more 
than I think we do. Because people who are responsible add value to the team in a way that others may not. And so the, the, the concepts that I've talked about around responsibility, I think are important. And the first is self-discipline. It's doing the things that need to be done before you do the things that you want to do. Uh, rather than procrastinating, it's getting to the tough stuff, the things that we don't find interesting, the things that are necessary for success, but, but not the most glorious. And it's that ability, I think, to work on those things and make sure that we get them done and not put them off that separates people who are consistent in their quality and their service. In other words, consistent performers on our teams from everybody else. You can tell undisciplined people because they quite simply put everything else off that they consider to be boring until the last minute. And then they do half a job and rush to get things done. Um, when we think about conscientiousness, I think that's important too because someone who is responsible doesn't just place full effort into those things that interest them or that they're passionate about. Um, that's easily done. Anybody can do that. The, the responsible person says, okay, even the boring stuff, even the things that need to get done, I will do well. I'll put in full and, and sincere effort into these things. And many people don't do that. We've all been guilty of that from time to time as well. And go right ahead, Jake. No, no I, I, I think, I think, you know, when, you know, I think this is the thing that makes the whole, this, your concept of responsibility so important is because, you know, you know, responsible people are reliable people. You know, you talk about that and, you know, there has to be an alignment here, you know, that tracks with both our mind and our heart in weighing these decisions that we're about to make. I just, I think I found, I think, you know, for a concept that we take for granted what it is, I think you, you really did a great job at pulling out the details of responsibility because I don't, I just don't think we think about self-discipline. I don't think we think about conscientiousness. I don't think we think about reliability or sound judgment as being as being part of responsibility, especially from leadership. I think we just assume, well, I got to be responsible. But I don't think we know what that means. Yeah, and often I don't think our people know what that means. And right. that's why as a leader, we need to create some architecture for it, just like we do for performance to say, this is what I mean by being responsible, guys. You know, the things that I, I need you to get done and, and need to be reported on, they can't be put off or, you know, I need you to use sound judgment. And what I mean by that is using facts, data and logic, looking at risk and trying to manage these things because you're going to make mistakes. And let's face it, as a leader, we need to be able to allow that in our team and not crucify our people because right. that's how we learn. But judgment, like anything else, is a practiced art. We only get better at it the more we, we do it. And if we don't allow our people that freedom, they're not going to get good in terms of their critical thinking skills. So yeah, I think it's a more foreign concept. We all think we know what it means. It's like accountability. Right. Ah, I'm accountable. <laughs> but when we dig in, you know, no one can actually explain what, what it means to them. Right. They'll say, oh, it's about ownership. Um, but beyond the, these vague concepts, I think the key, like you say, is to dig in and to say, you know, I, I'm not great putting together flat pack furniture. So, you know, when I come home from Ikea, unless I refer to the directions, you know, if you can forget it. Um, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to give people directions to say, look, help your people be responsible. Don't just say, hey, I need you guys to be responsible. And it, it's about people understanding 
Um, you're the leader and I know I need to perform or I need to be responsible. I get it. I need you to help me understand how, right? right? And, and this is about providing a roadmap for people. And that's what the book really tries to do is it's a primer uh, in which to say, especially for those of us who hate flat pack furniture, <laughs> is to say, okay, here's some directions, right? As a leader, let's demystify leading because people think that, you know, there is some charismatic braveheart speech that you have to do. And it's not about that. It's about doing the boring stuff really well every day. And that's how you'll lead successfully. I love, I love that because there's not a Braveheart speech that's going to get this done. His name is Will Shermer. The book is entitled The Leadership Core. You are listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, listen, I have two great sponsors. One is Epic Physical Therapy, and whether you're recovering from an injury or surgery, suffering from everyday aches and pains, maybe you're having difficulty performing activities of daily living, maybe you're a professional athlete, and I do have professional athletes that listen to the show. And you're just looking to improve how you move and you feel. Look, at Epic Physical Therapy, they will provide you with a customized treatment plan tailored to your individual needs. With their experience in rehabbing young athletes to elite professionals, they understand the need to treat the entire body as a functional whole, not just your symptoms or your injury. So when you're ready for your Epic relief, when you're ready for your Epic recovery, when you're ready for your Epic results, just go to EpicPT.com. That's E-P-I-C. PT.com and Linda Craft and Team Realtors for over 35 years. She's been helping people all over the world either sell their home or buy their home. How does she do that? Well, she's about creating relationships. You know what? She actually has these these beautiful things that Will's talking about, right? She's, you know, if we want to talk about it, right? She's responsible. She's compassionate, right? She, right? She, you know, she's accountable, right? You know, she just has all of those pieces together. You know, and that's why she is really successful. She's humble and she has integrity. And that's why her clients say that she is the legend of customer service when it comes to real estate. So when you're ready to sell your home or buy your home, don't look any further. Start with Linda Craft and Team Realtors. You can do that by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here with Will Shermer and his book, uh, The Leadership Core. And I want to thank everybody out there who is listening um, all over. Saba, Alec, um, Gemma. Uh, I got people all over the place just listening and watching live. And and I know that so many of you will be listening to this uh, on podcast. And listen, you know what? Share it. You know, if you're out there, please share it with your friends. Tell them, hey, you know, tune in. You got this great show. They're talking about leadership and things that you should know. So uh, we just we just kind of briefly went through. Section one, uh, character is the cornerstone of leadership. I'm going to bounce over to, to section two called motivating. And uh, I, I'm going to kind of do a general overview of motivating. I don't want to get into too many specifics because you do talk about internal and external motivators and individual versus collective motivators. But I want to talk about one that I think, you know, that we get stuck on and it's money as a motivator. And, you know, there are people who still believe that employees... By the way, I, I, I just was witnessing some employees who believe firmly that giving me more money is going to motivate me more. But that's really not the case, as it will. It's not, no. Um, it, and there's there's so much research on this. It, fundamentally, if people believe that they're par- fairly compensated for the work that they do, throwing more money at them is not going to necessarily motivate them more to perform or to stay. 
you know, money is the ultimate commodity, of course. Everybody's got it. You can go down the road and get some if, you, if you'd like some you don't <laughs> like your particular company. And that's, you know, this is the peril of using money a, as a leader to motivate because nothing you do is, is unique then. Everybody's got it. And, you know, it, it's, it's a fundamental um, misnomer about this. One survey was done that said nearly 90% of managers, when people left, they believed it was for money. Mm. Now, by contrast, about 90% of the people that left said it wasn't for money. Um, that they started their job search because something else was missing. And of course they got more money down the road. Money was a byproduct of their job search, not the reason for doing it. You know, money does not buy you more meaning at work. Mm. It doesn't buy you a better leader. It doesn't buy you, you know, more purpose or resources. It doesn't buy you more autonomy. These are things that when we think about internal motivators, that are the sustainable motivations and you know money there's a decreasing return on money if i you know if i give you a thousand dollar bonus today you'll say hey great thanks well you know i'm going to spend it and not remember what i spent it on by the way um and the next time i have to motivate you you're going to say yeah that thousand dollars was great but you know i think it's worth 1500 now mm. um and you know it takes more essentially more of everything in order to sustain motivation when it comes to tangible rewards. So we really need to remember this. Now, you're going to get people who are money motivated. And if you're matching them to a job that is highly incentivized by money, okay, it's a match made in heaven. But that is a slim minority of the jobs that that we have. And we need to remember that, that Motivation by its very nature is individual. So don't make the mistake, whether it's money or giving the trophy away, that there's a one size fits all approach. And so many organizations today overpay for, essentially overpay, um, because they're failing to actually correct the other issues within the work environment. You know, I know the boss is a jerk and, you know, we have a, a really poor team working environment. So let's pay you a retention bonus. So, you know, we can whip you some more for the next year. Mm. That that just isn't sustainable. It's not sustainable for companies whose operating costs go up. And, you know, people sooner or later will say, um, no amount of money is worth this, actually. So I am going to leave. So we, we really need to put money in its proper perspective. Yeah, listen, I was just talking with my friend Beth and we were talking about this because as I was reading this book, um, we were talking about it and, you know, we talked about a little bit about that, how companies overcompensate for their lack of culture, right, financially. But the other piece is that so often the people who say they're motivated by money, it's because they're not living within their means. And so what happens is they get more money, they spend more money, and then they got to have more money. And it becomes this official cycle, but they're really never happy because they're just chasing money. And it, and we see this all the time, and yet, you know, it's hard for people to see it. So if it's not money as a motivator, I think it's the next thing that you talk about. Purpose, meaning, and significance. Don't you think that's a better motivator? Yes, it, it absolutely is. And you're, you're, you're completely right. People chase money sometimes, because they really don't know what to chase. They're not really <laughs> sure what it is that makes them happy because they haven't, you know, they haven't actually sat down and said, you know, what are my principles, beliefs, and values? 
what do I really like to do? What really makes me excited? And um, th th there's a great quote, and I forget the book, it, 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 that says, work is about, not about making money. Work's not about making money. It's about making meaning. Mm. You know, we all want our lives to mean something, to feel like people around us are better off for our having existed, whether that's at work or, or at home. And we can't really separate the two. Me meaningfulness is meaningfulness in our lives. And it is absolutely about that. You know, there was an old story, maybe it's a, maybe it's a well-worn cliche about um, one of the janitorial staff at NASA in the 1960s sweeping the floor. And when he was asked what he was doing, he said, I'm helping to put a man on the moon. And, uh, you know, I love that quote. You've probably already heard it 10 times, but I love it because for him, the meaning wasn't, I'm keeping the floors clean. Right. It's, I am contributing to something bigger than myself and bigger than commercial success. So meaning's very individual. And we need to, as leaders, we need to tap into that. We need to understand what is it our people like? What is it our, our people find meaningful and interesting? And you can only do that by interacting with them. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, purpose is very similar. Purpose is often described in a, in a team or organizational context where we're saying, this is the reason that we exist. And this is why you are a part of this team. And it's to deliver this outstanding product or service or, or make the world better in a certain way. And in, in that, uh, of course, taps into that third, that, that third uh, subject that I talked about, which is significance. We want to feel valuable not small. We want right. to feel like what we're doing is making an active contribution and makes a difference. And so as leaders, we've got to connect that for our people and say, okay, you're doing your job well means this to the team, this to the organization, this to the community at large. Most leaders don't do that. They don't right. connect the dots for their people. And so what do people do? They say, yeah, I, I want more money. Right. right. And that's, that's where we come back to. And, and that's why we are where we, where we are in terms of some working cultures. Find your people, find purpose, meaning, and significance first. That's kind of a step one in terms of motivation uh, and use those internal motivators. You, you, you talk about in this little section here, you know, that we have to ask this fundamental question. We have to answer it really for our employees and those that we lead. Why am I here? I mean... I mean, right? I mean, because, you know, the, the thing is about employees is that, you know what, we, you know, we just lead, but we're not thinking about them in terms of what are they, you know, they're saying, why am I here? What is my purpose here? What is it that I do? Here? I think it's a really great question that, lead, and it really made me think that leaders need to sit back and go, have you looked at every employee and have you answered their, why am I here? Because that will fundamentally change you as a leader, won't it? Yeah, it, it will. And we all we all learn through trial and error, but you have to engage with your people. Mm -hmm. and, and I remember doing the same thing. I had a recruiter and, and uh, I incentivized my recruiting staff. And I was t telling one of them, I said, wouldn't it be great to you know, earn, that, earn that bonus, earn a little extra money for vacation for the summer? I'm sure that'll be great. And she turned to me and said, I, I don't really care about that at all. Quite honestly, that doesn't motivate me. I like knowing that I'm pleasing my internal customers and they think I'm doing a good job. Mm. And that was sort of a, you know, a light bulb moment for me right. thinking I, I just fell into the same trap that 
you know, I tell everybody else not to fall into, which is <laughs> don't dangle money and external motivators in front of people like, right. hey, it's going to be great if. And for her, it wasn't. And and that's that's right. And I think that a lot of, of leaders, not just leaders, but a lot of people have to ask themselves that and answer that question for themselves. Mm. And if the answer is, I don't know why they're why I'm here. Well, you need to find that answer out and, and engage with your leaders to help you. And if you can't find a good answer, well, we probably know what the next step is, is to go find another environment right. where you can answer that question. Because without meaning and without a purpose, life is going to seem very dull. Uh, and, and, you know, that's that's not the way to, to, to live through most of your waking hours at work. No. And if you say, I am here for a check, holy cow, is that empty? I mean, when it's, you really when you really think about that, well, I'm here for a paycheck. That's empty to me. Yeah. I, mean, I just to me, it just sounds. I don't know. Well, maybe I'm wrong in the way I'm thinking about it, but it just seems like, my gosh, I want to be doing this more than just for a paycheck. I want to be doing this because there's something bigger beyond me. You know that that I'm making a difference in the lives of other people, right? Because if it's just a paycheck, then it's just about me. It it is, and and. You know, that's a lonely place, I think, for employees to be, too, uh, if it comes down to that. And as leaders, if if we hired people and it was just truly all about the paycheck, we're in a perilous place because someone right. can go get a bigger paycheck somewhere else eventually. Right. Um, and we really do need to watch for that and early on grasp the internal motivators so we can connect the dots for our people. Right. So, you know, when, when someone says... The, the, the person in the moving company, for example, says, well, I pack boxes. No, what you're, what you're really doing is safeguarding people's valuables and memories to make sure that they're, you know, one of the primary big events in their life, and you've just done it, right? right moving right. Yeah. Uh, is, is done in a, in a less stress-free way. And, yeah. and you know, is, is we do that by properly supporting our people. And however you explain it. You need to explain it in a way that taps into this idea of meaningfulness. Um, or people collect a paycheck until they don't and leave. You, you know, I would say to a mover, you know, based on our this last experience that we just had last week moving, I would say to mover, you know what you did? You saved my marriage. <laughs> because, yeah. because you did, man. Because we didn't have to do it. And so it wasn't something that we fought about, right? Where is this going to go? Where is that going to go? You moved it. You, you saved my marriage. Right, you made my relationships better as a mover. You you did more than just move my stuff. You gave me peace of mind. You gave us a peace of mind. You allowed our relationship to be able to focus on each other. So I mean, I mean, it, it is much bigger if you will start thinking about that. And I think it's really important, you know, that regardless of what people do, they've got to see that they're they are doing something bigger. You know, regardless of what that is. And I, I just find that so important. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. I'm going to move to section three, acquiring talent and building teams, because uh, I get this question a lot as a coach, you know, about um, and get asked regularly about, can you help me hire the right people, et cetera, so forth, and recruiting people and, and building their teams. I get a lot of questions about it, as I'm sure you do too. So, the first thing you say when it comes to recruitment and selection is the most successful businesses place a high priority on the process of selecting people. And then you move into the costs of turnover. But then 
you move into the commencement on page 67, the commencement, com- commencing the recruitment process. I'm going to read this quote. The first tenant of hiring, you can't know what you found till you know what you're looking for. Mm, that That's really good, man. Yes, it's like a marriage, getting back to the marriage, right? You you need to know what you want, whether, you know, we do it in every other aspect of our life, whether it's our, our partner or picking out the new car. But but apparently, uh, we forget about that when it comes to, to finding candidates. And it, it is a basic tenet of, of recruiting. And many leaders think that recruiting is a distraction from a day job. Mm. You know, let, let me get through this quickly so I can get on to my operational stuff, and it's it's a part of the day job as a leader. So we have to remember that, you know, we've got to review the job description. Is it still relevant? Does it need updating? Is the scope of the job and responsibilities still the way it, it, it was back then when I wrote it, or have things changed? Mm. What are the things that aren't on the job description, importantly? Because a job description is not a job advertisement, which I'll say to you later, right? It's right. job descriptions, they're kind of, frankly, they're kind of boring to read, right? Unless you're an HR person like me. So, <laughs> you know, you, you need to talk about, okay, there, there's the stuff that's on the job description, but let me tell you what kind of person I'm looking for. Mm. Let me tell you, we operate in a fast paced dynamic environment where um, there, there are many changes and we need people to work with a high degree of independence. Well, that's, not necessarily on the job description and, and explaining to whether it's the HR or the recruiting staff, or if not, just getting it right in your own head so you know what you're going to be looking for is important because if you don't know, then the, the, the other people can't screen for this if you're relying on recruiting or HR. And you, you as an interviewer and your people can't do an effective job in ferreting out the competencies necessary for, for success because you're really not sure what they are. Right. So it, it's a bit like exploring your values and beliefs, right? It's a fundamental thing that you have to do at the beginning before you get into the recruiting process. Um, otherwise, what happens is you choose a candidate because they sound great in the interview and they looked good. You know, they came in well-dressed, they sounded great, they made promises and gave you canned answers. Uh, and that happens a lot. And unfortunately, right. we find out that the pedestal we put them up on, you know, we knock them off when we find out that they're actually human, right? That they're not the perfect candidate. So we've really got to make sure that we do our homework first. Otherwise, you get uh, probably, for example, what what I experienced in an executive interview uh, with a company where the executive came in 10 to 15 minutes late for my interview. It happens, uh, but it's rare. Then he asked me for a copy of my resume so he could quickly look over it. Uh, clearly an indication to me that he hadn't prepared, uh, and then proceeded to use some rather harsh language in the interview. So needless to say, I was a little less than impressed, you know, and, and, we, we've got to to make sure, again, we're ferreting out exactly what we want and properly preparing. This is all part of properly preparing to actually speak to candidates, which is not in the first two or three steps. Right. You, you know, you, you talk about here the, the responsibility of leaders, and it really is a responsibility when it comes to recruitment and, and the interview process, because ultimately you need... 
take responsibility for the people that you bring in, right? That's the first thing. So you, you need to do this right because, you know, their failure is your failure because you hired them. I think, I think you know, we got to be clear about that, right? Which is why you make, you, make a, you make two points here. One is the first one is that you have to have a sense of realism about your candidate search. Because you say, and I quote you, we would all like to find the perfect candidate for the job, but the perfect candidate exists only in a theoretical world, not the real one. But at the same time, don't try to fill an empty seat with a warm body based on experience. So I mean, this, but it is ultimately the leader's responsibility to kind of balance this. It is, yes. And, and we probably all heard the leader who says, ah, but they're a mishire, right? No, right. oh, they were just a mishire. Right. Well, they were your messiah. And so we have to, you know, you have to look in the mirror and call your own judgment into question here. Um, and if they, they were the right hire, but they failed for other reasons, well, you s- still have to look in the mirror and maybe it was onboarding or, or some other facet, right? The, the, right? the new employee owns part of their success, obviously. Um, th- there's no doubt about this. But, the, you know, the fact is that there's, there's really a social obligation we have as, as leaders because someone is counting on us to make the right decision because they're betting their mortgage and their financial future on us saying, we think fundamentally it's a, it's, it's a good fit. Um, because mishiring, we talk about cost of turnover and mishiring, um, but you know, we want to see people succeed. Right. And the best way to manage performance in your team is to make sure you're minimizing the chances of a mishire. So yeah, there's a lot riding on this. And as leaders, we've, we really do have to own the selection process. It's key for us. His name is Will Shermer. The book is entitled The Leadership Core. Oh my gosh, isn't it great? Isn't he great? Isn't he not really great? He's great. I'm telling you, the book's great. I am. I'm talking about self-promotion, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, The Leadership Core, Competencies for Successfully Leading Others. You can buy this book everywhere. I'm telling you, you can. And you're listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, look, uh, Epic Physical Therapy, you know they're my physical therapists. Uh, their facilities offer the most advanced top-of-the-line equipment, including the Alter-G anti-gravity treadmill, the Normatec compression sleeves, the Game Ready, which is ice and water and compression. It's great to reduce the swelling. They're trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting-edge treatments available, including things like blood flow restriction therapy, uh, dry needling, cupping. That's just a few of the things that they do. Look, they are absolutely fantastic. But you know what they really are really good at? They're really good at getting you to where you want to be. So when you're ready for your epic relief, your epic recovery, and your epic results, don't look any further. Go to the place where I go. Go to Epic Physical Therapy. That's epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, you know what? She has made a lifetime business out of relationships. Really, she has. Oh, yeah, she had the motto for years of Linda Craft knows her business because she, in fact, is a professional and she knows her business. But you know what the truth of the matter is? What really makes her know her business isn't the P&Ls, the profits and losses. It's the other P&Ls, that it's about people and lives. And that's what her and her team do. They really take responsible for the people and lives that they interact with, whether it's selling a home or buying a new home, whether it's their first home or their 15th home. So when you're ready to sell your home or buy your home, regardless of where you're at in the world, start with Linda Craft and Team Realtors. They're really going to take care of you. I promise you they will. You can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com.
And we're back here on A New Direction, and we are talking to Will Shermer, and Will is, I, I told you he was great. I told you he was going to be great. The book is that good. I mean, right? I mean, you're just, you're just hearing him. Just go rattle it off. Oh, man, it's really good. The book's great. The Leadership Core, and uh, I'm really loving this book. Will, are you having a good time? Absolutely. Yes. This is, it's, it's always fun when HR people get to talk to other people. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we live for. Um, I, I mean, I have to tell you, you know, I, I, I did not know because you and I have never uh, spoke to each other before. I didn't know, but I read the book, but you really do sound like your book. And, and I love that. So you, you sound exactly like the book. So kudos to you uh, because that doesn't always happen sometimes. So let's talk about one of the hardest parts of the candidate process, the interviewing process, because you give some really great tips here that I think are really fundamentally important when it comes to interviewing, um, when it comes to interviewing others. And the first is, and I, I don't know why I just, this never occurred to me, but it, when you said it, it sure did notice the resume and cover letter. This is what you say. I'm quoting you and how they are constructed. What do they tell you about the candidates, organizational skills and thought processes? You know, a lot of times I just look at a resume and I'll just go, okay, so is there gaps in the resume, you know, but I never thought about it in terms of, and I should, I'm a psychological professional. I never thought about it in terms of what are their thought processes here as they've organized it, you know, and, and how they've put it together. What does it look like? But that is really some strong, that's some real, that's a real strong uh, indicator right up front, isn't it? Which means that you got to look at it a little bit longer than eight seconds. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and that advice is coming from someone who is not a great editor of his own work. So um, it, it is absolutely true. You, you have to look at those things because they're the documents that, that represent the candidate. That's mm -hmm. all you have at this point. And so obviously, as candidates, you know, if you're if you're out there, we're all future candidates at some point, we, we've got to notice those things. And so, for instance, someone who uh, claims to be a, you know, an auditor and a quality assurance inspector whose CV is littered with grammar and spelling errors, that might be an indication, right? That mm. there's a concern here about their detail orientation. So it, it should lead you in, in some directions as far as questions to ask, ask and concerns to, to address a history of short-term job hopping. Well, we know that the best indicator of future behavior is is past behavior. So there, there, it might be explainable for various reasons, but we're going to have to dig in there and really find out why, or we're going to be the next cameo appearance on this person's CV on their on their resume. So you've got to notice those things first and, mm -hmm. and really think about them as part of the screening process. You talk next about using structured screening and interview questionnaires. Um, talk a little bit about what you mean when you say structured screening and interview questionnaires, uh, just so that everybody's clear. Yeah, so something that is not written on the back of a napkin. <laughs> Anything more permanent than that, because we all know as, as leaders, right, we're such excellent interviewers, we don't actually need to bother to review the resume, make up questions, bring the CV with, or apparently show up for, for interviews on time, right, as right. We've ex I've experienced personally. So that arrogance, right? We talked about humility being so important. We we need to really take the time and effort um, to make sure that, you know, that, that we're digging in and that we have structure. You know, and what I mean by this is to, to 
to have a written questionnaire, a screening questionnaire, to have a written interview questionnaire for the job. Um, make it a few simple questions, a couple behavioral questions, some background questions. You don't have to be a slave to these documents, right. but they right. should form the foundation for your questioning. Otherwise, you're comparing an apple and an orange. And, and that's the problem, is if you can't directly compare candidates against one another, then how are you to make the best decision for the person who's most capable to do the job? And when we think about uh, the interview or the in-depth interview process, you need to look at the competencies that are required for the job, create a few behavioral interviewing questions around those competencies. Those are tell me about a time that questions right. that people hate because we're actually making them do some work now in the interview. Um, and that's really what I mean. Uh, have a have a rating sheet or some form of rating methodology. Without these things, you can't make a good selection decision. And all the other stuff I talk about in interviewing, um, yes, I want everyone to remember because of course it's all great advice, um, but there's two things I want them to remember is to make sure that they interview well and that they select well, because that's the core of what we do as leaders. If we do a good job of interviewing, that information forms the basis for your decision-making. And if you have some form of structured method for making a decision on candidates, knowing still that it's an art rather than a science, you'll be okay. And you're going to make mistakes, but the key is to minimize the big ones and to maximize the chance that you've got a good raw fit for not just the job, but the work environment. That's all we can hope for. So don't come in with an empty napkin, is what I'm saying to the interview. You know, there's you, you alluded to the behavioral interview. And actually, I'm surprised how many people don't even know what behavioral interview questions are, uh, especially when I work with other leaders and, and they'll go behavior interview. What do you mean behavioral interviewing? Right. And that's the, you know, where we're asking questions about, you know, the situation, what happened in your work situation, this or that, or the other thing, or what was your role in this situation or that situation, or how was this situation resolved and concluded and were you part of it in any way? It's literally because you said it earlier in the book and you said it even here is, you know, your past behavior is a pretty good indicator of what your future behavior is going to be. So if we ask you behavioral interview questions, we we're, we're trying to do is we're trying to get an access to past behavior. But there are two other questions that you ask in this. And one is competency. <laughs> See what I did there? Competency questions, based questions and probing questions. And you, you call this the fun stuff. So let's talk a little bit about competency and, and probing questions. Yeah, you know, interviewing is an art. And, and as leaders, there, there are two fundamental skills in leadership that are woefully undervalued. Listening and questioning. Mm. Far too undervalued. And this is, this is what we're attempting to do we should not be doing more than 20% of the talking in an interview. Um, difficult for those of us that like to talk. Um, <laughs> but the, the point is to dig, right? When someone right. says, oh, yeah, I'm a people person. Oh, okay. Well, tell me about a time that your people skills helped you to deal with a very difficult customer or an angry customer at work and how it was resolved. Now, I'm just right now I'm using a behavioral question, question to say, Oh, you're a people person. Great. Prove it. Mm. Um, and, you know, we, we want to dig in there. So probing questions are follow-up questions. And I don't care. I don't just care what a candidate did. I want 
to understand how a candidate fit, thought and felt about what they did. Mm-hmm. So someone who says, you know, uh, I asked them about a time they were criticized for underperformance and they give me a situation and I say, well, how did you feel about how the, the, the critical feedback that your boss gave you? What did you learn from that? Mm-hmm. Um, and they might say, well, I learned not to make the boss mad because clearly, you know, they were, they were out of order. Um, very different from saying, you know, um, what, what I really learned is, is to make sure that I double check my work beforehand and go through a better auditing process. Right. You know, so I want to understand how a candidate thinks, not just what, you know, what they have done. And this is where probing questions come in. Competency, very similar, but what I'm doing is asking them a scenario. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a scenario. Tell me how you'd approach this Mm. because again, uh, I want to understand what they're prioritizing, how they would organize it, how they would resolve it, what issues they think might come up along the way. And that is the fun stuff because I'm now getting to know my candidate well, not just the person we talked about this before, you know, what are your strengths and weaknesses, right? I want to hang myself with my necktie every time I hear that in an interview because it's such an awful question. Well, of course, what is the person going to say? Well, my weakness is, you know, that I work too hard and I'm too dedicated. Mm. No one's going to give you enough, you know, very rarely are you going to get a true answer. Dig right. for it. Right. And this is the key is to actually, you know, engage the brain and say, okay, I've got to dig deeper here because I want to get to know someone well enough to really understand, is this person going to be a nightmare employee for me to manage or have I got a gem? right? A, a raw gem that I can polish here. And that is the fun stuff because there's nothing better than hiring someone who proves what great judgment we have by going on to bigger and better things in the organization. That is the fun stuff. It makes, it makes their boss look good. And we all want that. I, this, this is going so fast and I'm, I, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the 22 pages of notes that I have that I cannot get through. <laughs> and um, I'm recognizing that we need six more hours for me to get through everything that I want to get through. And I'm running out a couple minutes time. But I want to talk about servant leadership and stewardship real quick, because you do spend in section five called servancy and stewardship. You spend a lot of time there. And I think it's really important. Can we just talk about that for a couple minutes here? I know it's not, it's doing a, a huge disservice and maybe we need to bring you back to do more on it. But Talk real quick about servancy and stewardship. Yeah, I think people people misunderstand what it is. They think it's, you know, we, we go around hugging everyone and telling them how wonderful the world is and that we, that servant leadership is a form of weak leadership that's more concerned with feeling than it is with results. And that's just not the case. But it is a philosophy around leading that says, look, leading isn't about telling people what to do. It's about making sure that first and foremost, you understand as a leader that you are seen as either a resource or an obstacle to people's fulfillment at work. And you, you should be a resource. And so this describes some of the ways of, of leading that helps leaders make sure that they can become a resource. And it's not big things, it's not mystical things. You don't have to be charismatic. You know, no one's a Tony Robbins where, you know, they have, this magnificent stage presence. It's about doing many of the little things that build strong relationships and prove that you care about people. And 
that's first and foremost. Remember that if people really sense that you, you care about them and you're going to support them and do what it takes to help them succeed, they're going to move mountains for you. And we talk about the, the number of qualities uh, of servant leadership uh, within that section. You did a great job. Well, I hope you enjoyed it. I, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you so much. We, I, we, we, we used up the hour. I don't know how we did it, but we sure did. And it went really fast. Um, if you could give me 30-second new direction for people out there based on your book, The Leadership Core, what would be a new direction you would leave folks with? Uh, you know, I think it's about um, acknowledging that, that leading is about harnessing people's emotions because how people feel directs how that they act. And you have to be sensitive to that, right? And, and leading with both your heart and your head uh, is, is actually good business. Uh, it isn't about leading problems, leaving problems at the door. It's about acknowledging that people are more than just the sum of their work products. And I, I think this is what I would leave people with is we, we talk about it in the book and yes, there are there is process stuff, but in order to move hands and feet, You've got to capture hearts and minds. Mm, that's beautiful. His name is Will Shermer. The book is called Leadership Core. Folks, that's the show. I'm going to be back next week with another great guest, another great book. It's going to be another great show. And for all of you, maybe in Singapore, I'm going to try to say it right. It is, in, it, it is, uh, Selamat Jalom. Talk to you soon. Ciao, everybody. A new direction, a brand new day. Dreams will take you places you have never been before Find your passion, find your strength Don't worry anymore A new direction A new direction A new direction Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.